How you doing, baseball fans? John Arezzi here with some very exciting news to share with all of you about the 2024 baseball season. And it's the announcement that I'm going to be working with a dear friend, somebody I've known for a long, long time, prominent baseball executive for many, many years uh, with a new show launch just in time for the baseball season. It's called The Brushback with J.P. Ricciardi, a weekly show to discuss baseball from the inside. Each week, we'll cover the game with a man who's seen it all from a member of the front office with four different major league teams. Let's say to hello first and foremost to the host of the show, J.P. Ricciardi. J.P., how you doing? I'm good, Johnny. How you doing? I am doing great. I'm down at spring training right now. Oh, life life couldn't be any better than that, right? Start of the season. My kids yeah. were telling me yesterday that the Dodgers and Padres played, and they said people were going crazy on Twitter. So it's that time of year. It's exciting, and everybody thinks they got a chance of winning. So let's, let's hash it around and see what we can come up with. Absolutely. And I'm here in Port St. Lucie at the Mets camp. And uh, I mean, the, the fans already flocked here. Uh, so it's like you could feel the anticipation. Games are starting. Uh, but we're in the middle of spring training. Games are starting, as we said. Uh, uh, and there are a lot of free agents that have not been signed yet. I have a question for you about Boris. Uh, first, uh, that's the first thing I really would like to discuss with you. Yeah. Do you think that Scott Boris... And the way he's been negotiating and, and the way he his what his business model is, is this hurting the players if you wait this long to get signed? Well, I think you have to look at Scott's history. Uh, he's always gotten pretty good contracts for his players. So he's not going to change the way he goes about operating as, a, as an agent. I think the thing that's changing is maybe some teams aren't as engaging as they have been in the past. Uh, I think he represents great players, and I think he's got some good players, as you mentioned, in the free agent market. But the market today, I think, is people are going to think twice about giving certain players long-term deals, and I think he has four or five of those players that are coming. They're going to come into that question. Is it time for MLB and the Players Association to kind of get together and negotiate maybe a deadline for signing free agents like other sports do? I mean, because – this could drag on, and it has. You know, you started the free agent season right after World Series, and 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 now we're kind of in chaos in a lot of ways because there's so many guys still available. Well, yeah, it's a good question, John, and I think it's the great thing about baseball. Uh, if you look at the NFL and the NBA, when free agency hits, their players are signed within a week. You don't see many players having their contracts dragged out. Baseball, it goes a long time. This year seems to be a little longer than most. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that baseball isn't in the news more. And all we're talking about is the negativity that these players have not been signed. I don't know if you're going to ever be able to put a deadline on it because so many things do change in the course of a free agency. You might be in on Otani and that falls apart. Now you can shift gears to somebody else. Um, so if you put a deadline in and maybe that guy hit that deadline, and you didn't sign some of those other players, well, now you're going to miss out on those other guys. So I think having a deadline, I think you can have a deadline. I just don't think you can. You have to have a deadline, say, by January 1st. It might be by February 1st is the deadline. Yeah, even February 1st would be a, a good deadline to have. Uh, I do remember when, I guess it was the year of the pandemic, when, when they had, or, or the lockout, and there was a flurry of activity because everyone was, you know, maneuvering and getting signed so that was kind of exciting and that put baseball in the news 
not in a negative way where guys are unsigned, but all these signings took place in a, in a short period of time. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to happen here. It seems like once one guy goes off the table, I think you're going to see a steamroll, and the other guys are just going to fall in line. I think what's going to happen with these players, because it's taking so long, I think all these players that he represents are going to end up with one-year deals. I think he's going to take the best deal he can get for one year and then get, come back next year and take another bite at the apple. I think if there was any long-term deals that were going to take place, they would have been taking place by now. And a lot of the GMs out there, a lot of the teams are saying, we're set. We're moving on. We have to, we have to focus on uh, getting our team set for opening day. And, and most of them have their budget set too, John. You know, a lot of them yeah, probably right. hit what they've been allotted by ownership. And they're probably sitting saying at this time, you know, we're going to have to really convince ownership that this guy is a difference maker. And, and how many teams are really uh, one player away? You could probably list them on your hand. And those guys have gone out and spent a ton of money, like the Dodgers, you know, the Yankees. There's some teams that don't have as much money left because they have addressed a lot of the things that they wanted to do. Yeah, and you have the New York Mets who uh, spent a ton of money, and there's still dead money on the books. So even with their ace already going down, Kodai Senga, uh, not going to be ready for this, the start of the season. They're not going out because they, they have all this money that they're already committed to from players that are not even on the team that they're still paying for. And don't forget, they still have to pay Bobby Bonilla. They still have to pay Bobby Bonilla in July the 1st. So, yeah, what the yeah, heck it's, is it's going interesting. on? It's, it's interesting when you see, you know, some of the guys that are out there and some of the teams that supposedly have resources and they haven't stepped up. So I think a lot goes back to their budget set and they're pretty comfortable with what their teams are. These guys are going to find a home. It just might not be exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been there. You've done it. How many spring tradings? You know, it's hard to even count. So at this point, what is the mindset of the teams, the GMs, the managers? Uh, what are they looking for from both their veterans at this stage of the game and the rookies uh, in that evaluation process? Yeah, th th this is a really fun time of the year because now everybody is on the field. And for the most part, your team is relatively healthy unless someone's coming off of an off-season injury, a rehab, or a, a shoulder, or elbow, or knee, or whatever it is. Uh, so you've got your team in place. All the hard work has been done. Your team is in place. You've sat down with your managers. You've sat down with your coaches. You've gone over every player, how you want to see them in spring training, how much they need as far as work. The veteran players, 50 at-bats maybe at the most, and they're ready to go. The pitches you have to build up, it's one inning the first time out, it's two or three innings the second time out, and it just keeps going up and up until you get to, you know, uh, in the older days when you had starters every time, every fifth day, they wanted to get to seven innings. Now it might be a little different as how they build the pitches up, but if you do have two or three every day, I'm sorry, two or three uh, guys in your rotation that your one, twos, and threes that you know are going to post like that, you got to build them up to possibly seven innings. So this is the fun time. The young kids are in camp. Everybody's feeling good about everything. Spirits are good. You're going to go into the dead period where you watch bullpens and you're watching batting practice and you get sick of that and you want the games to start. Then the games start and that progresses to something else. But right now, everybody's in camp and excited to go and it's a fun, fun time to be in camp. Were you involved in the process of what the drills are? Because this, for me, I, I, and I've been behind the scenes for the last uh, three days at Mets camp. Yeah. And you're seeing, uh, you know, five or six fields. 
There are infield drills on this field. There are batting. There's batting practice here. The pitchers are pitching over here. I mean, and it's all like so. It seems so regimented, timing wise. They yeah. start at nine thirty. They're going to be done at one thirty. Everything is uh, everything time sensitive. So, were you involved in that process when you were a GM? And this is what our schedule is, or is that strictly the managers and the coaches that kind of put that all together? I think it depends on the general manager. It depends on the assistant general managers in New York. I, I had a hand in some of it. In Toronto, I had a big hand in it. Um, and even in San Francisco, I would offer my opinions on certain things. I'll give you, I'll give you a funny uh, story. So we come out one day and we're doing PFP. So for people out there who don't know what PFP is, that's pitcher's fielding practice. And it's a little early. It's about 9, 9.30. The guys have already stretched. And the grass is just a little damp. So we come out to do PFPs, and I come out, and I'm watching the PFPs. So, you know, Brian Butterfield's running it, a longtime third-base coach who I hired in Toronto, great guy, great infield instructor, full of energy, and he's got the pitchers bouncing around, and we're doing PFPs. So ground ball back to the pitcher. you got to cover first base, get off the mound, pass ball to the catcher. You know, the, 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 uh, the verbiage we want to use on a pass ball, you know, left, right, all this stuff. So we're going through all the things, and I notice the grass is wet. So Bud is running the drill, and I said, hey, Butter, you got a second? And I hated to bother him because he was in the middle of the drill with Halliday and, and A.J. Burnett. Now, we got a lot of money on the field. So I said to him, I said, hey, Butter, uh, I noticed none of the pitchers have spikes on. And he goes, yeah. He goes, we're just kind of going through this. I said, well, let me ask you something. I said, are you worth $100 million? And he says, no, why? I says, because that's what's invested in those two pitchers. So make sure they go inside right now and get their spikes on because I want to make sure no one blows an Achilles or blows a hamstring or twists an ankle because the grass is wet. And that's all it takes to throw your whole spring training off. So yeah. Butter got the message. We sent the guys in. They put their spikes on, and we came out. So for me as a GM, I paid attention to all the little things because that was my background. And I think that's just one. And another rule in spring training I thought was really, really important. I told my third base coach I want no bang-bang plays at the plate in spring training. The guy's either out by 100 steps or he's safe by 100 steps. If you think there's any possible way that this is going to be a close play at the plate, hold the guy up. We don't need any injuries in spring training. So just little things like that. You go over in your daily meetings. Yeah, I found it fascinating the last few days. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your former team, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, uh, they had a relatively quiet offseason. I know they went big on Otani, which they didn't get. Uh, they were trying to, uh, uh, you know, just kind of supplement what they had last year, but Otani didn't happen. But they did add some quality guys. I mean, like Justin Turner is one that stands out in my mind as a super utility player, a potential DH. Uh, they also got um, uh, Isaiah Kina Falefa. Uh, they brought back Kevin Kiermeyer on a one-year deal, and they signed uh, Eduardo Escobar recently. So. Give us an assessment of the Jays' offseason, and uh, did they do enough uh, for this upcoming 2024 campaign? I like the additions. I like Turner a lot. Turner's going to be an adult in the room. He's going to be the guy in the clubhouse that holds the younger kids accountable, a guy that's got enough uh, cachet that they're going to look to and say, well, if he's getting on me, you know, he's done a few things. So I really like the Turner signing. I, I, we had him in New York. He's a great guy. He's a great clubhouse guy. I think he's a nice addition to that club. Now, he's he's getting close to 40, 
So you never know when that ticking time bomb is going to go off when his skills fall apart. But everything else he brings to the table, I thought it was a great sign. Not a big fan of uh, Kalefa in the sense of what they gave him. Uh, I think he's a nice player, but for the amount of money they gave him, I thought they overpaid to get him. Um, I like the club. I think the club is going to come down to how well they pitch. When I look at them, Manoa has to bounce back and have a good year. If he comes back and pitches like he, he has in the past, you basically have made a free agent signing. He didn't do anything for the club last year. If he comes in and wins 10, 12, 14, 15 games, that's, that, those are wins you didn't have and you can't get from somewhere else, on top of maybe 150 to, 100, to 200 innings. That's a big plus. He's a very big key to the success of that staff. I will also say that one of those pitchers has to become a dominant front-end guy, and I think Gosman can do it. He has to do it, but he got the ability to do it. Because when you get in the playoffs, you have to have that one guy that can take the ball in game one, game three, and game seven. Right now, I look at their staff, and I think it's a good staff. I haven't seen that one knockout guy that scares me in game one. And that's the only question I have with the Blue Jays as far as going deep in the playoffs. I think they're a playoff team. I think someone's going to have to step up on the mound, though. And what about uh, when, it, when you look at the, the other makeup of the team, who are the most important players on the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, aside from the pitchers, heading into 2024? Who do, you count, who do you have to count on in the year? It's real simple. It's the shortstop, Bichette, and it's Vlad. I mean, those guys have to be what they're capable of being. They're very good players, exciting players. I've seen them since they were young players, and they've become exactly what most people thought they were going to be. But now the pressure – of carrying an organization and carrying a team is on them. They are the two best teams in that everyday lineup. They're capable of taking that next step up, and that's going to be, the. I think, as they go offensively, the Blue Jays go. Do you have any uh, type of dark horse or somebody that's going to really come out and surprise the Toronto Blue Jays fans this year? Uh, Anyone you can think of that may be, like, emerging or uh, – Well, I think, I think the roster is – yeah, I think their roster is pretty well set. So there's not a lot of, of young guys that, that are really going to change that the makeup of the complexion of the club. So I, I don't think they're a team that you could sit there and say, there's, there's a young guy knocking on the door here that's going uh, to you know, come up and help the big league team and carry him for like four or five months like, like, a, like a Soto, a young Soto did. Uh, I mean, they got some good young players in their system, but I don't think anybody who's going to crack that lineup and really make a major – impact on them a lot of veterans in a lot of positions for them yeah they just need a little bit more clutch hitting uh they need to step it up there offensively that the pitching staff looks great i mean you talk about guys like chris bassett and uh, uh, uh jose barrios i mean it, it was it was really it was really great to see uh that starting uh four or five yeah. uh some change yeah. kikuchi kikuchi looks great this year He's already well, like, he looks like yeah. he gained a little weight. He's worked out. So it's yeah, going to be pretty, yeah. pretty exciting to see all of this unfold. And if you look at it, John, I mean, how many teams can say they have five legitimate starters? The Blue Jays have that. They the do. key in Major League Baseball is having depth. You really need seven starters because someone's going to go down. Now, if someone doesn't go down, that means you're having a great year. Everybody's posting. Everybody's taking the ball. Everybody's giving you 150 to 200 innings. But you pretty much – need that seven-man rotation to get you through. And that's where maybe some of the younger guys. But just you've rattled off their starting five. There's not many other teams. that you. I, I don't think you could name the starting five rotation for Tampa Bay. 
you know, you can't, you probably can't name the starting five for Kansas City. So the Blue Jays are ahead of the game in the fact that they can run five guys out there. And I think yeah. that's a, a nice thing to have, you know, for, uh, for Schneider as the manager. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, even with the Mets, I can't even name their starting five. And, and you know, it, it's like with the Jays have that core and it's going to be exciting to see where it goes in 2024. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff to talk about this year, JP. I mean, this is a really unique situation uh, for uh, baseball fans to, you know, hear the perspective of somebody like yourself who spent 43 years in the game. So what are you looking most forward to uh, as you now enter this uh, new era of uh, being kind of a broadcaster and an insider covering the game where everyone can have an opportunity to listen to it week after week? Well, I think for me, it's going to be really uh, an opportunity to take a giant step back and see the entire game without having an allegiance to one organization or having a responsibility to provide that organization with information about X amount of players. I can take a broad view of what the San Diego Padres are doing now, what the Cleveland Guardians are doing now, uh, and, and pay a little bit more attention. Uh, and it's not that I didn't pay attention in the past. I just didn't have enough time to really delve into a lot of things that are going on. So from a scouting standpoint, from a player development standpoint, from a major league standpoint, uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know organizations better, finding out more information about some of the guys I know about, some of the guys I don't know about, being able to share that with our, our, our listeners as they learn you know, some of the things insiders and the people who are in the room uh, are able to, to make decisions on. And I think that baseball is in a really interesting place. I think, you know, we're talking about expansion, possibly Portland, possibly Charlotte, possibly Nashville. Uh, I think expansion is definitely coming. What's that going to do for the game? How's that going to affect the game with the draft? How's that going to affect the game with player development? Uh, you know, we've cut minor league teams in the past. Do we have to bring minor league teams back? So the, the greatest thing about baseball is it's always exciting. We've tried to kill it with the Black Sox scandal. We tried to kill it with the steroid era, but the game survives. And I think it's a testament to the game and the people who will be watching this show who love the game will really uh, will really like the things we got to talk about. Yeah, we're excited about it. And, of course, all the guests that you plan on bringing on, uh, it's going to be a very uh, unique opportunity. And I, I really look forward to diving in uh, into this game with you each and every week. We're looking forward to the 2024 season, uh, covering what's happening on the field and the inside of the game as well. We'll cover it all for you each and every week right here on The Brushback with J.P. Ricciardi. And don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your favorite baseball podcast. And, J.P., you're on social media now. So uh, you, we have a Twitter. The, the Twitter handle has been there. And so you could follow J.P. on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and at Instagram, and it's simply at Riccardi JP or Ricciardi JP. So uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna start to uh, make yourself known on the social media platforms. Well, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to make myself known in the right way, but uh, I, I've never delved into uh, social media in the past. But as long as we're keeping it upbeat and we're keeping it positive, and it's it's all about this great game of ours, baseball. I think it's gonna be. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And I'm really excited about uh, talking baseball, the positive things about baseball. We'll address the negative things, but we'll try to remember how great this game really is for all of us. And that's why we're in it. Uh, Till next time when we dish up another brushback, 
This is John Arezzi for the Brushback with J.P. Ricciardi.